0: Every time you go on Twitter or Instagram, it seems like there's a new hashtag. And just like these trending hashtags, things are moving really quickly in the world of work these days. And I hate harking back to COVID all the time, but if there's one thing that COVID's taught us is that we can take nothing for granted. So, how up-to-date are you? How well is your career progressing? And how satisfied are you with your work and your workplace. It's more than time to switch from any negative thoughts you may have about work to new positive emotions. What I'm going to talk to you about today is quite an eclectic mix. Some are big picture items and some are very practical. I think they're useful for you to use as a starting point to enhance your happiness and success. Welcome to Career Wags for the 21st Century. I'm a career practitioner called Catherine Cunningham, and I've worked with thousands of clients over the past 20 years, so I've had quite a bit of time to think about career issues. Each podcast in the main series, which this is one of, I pick up on an issue that takes my fancy. Some are very practical, such as episode 11, where I talk about how to write a great cover letter. Other episodes tend to cover more big picture topics, like Podcast 24, where I use marketing advice from the world's top business experts to help you stay front of mind in your target market. I have two other series. One is the MBTI series, where I examine each of the 16 personality profiles in detail. And then I have another series where I jump between short, sharp, and shiny, and general career tips. On a personal note, for those of you who are wondering, I'm hopefully at the final stages of recovering from my broken femur. I can tell you it's been very slow and tedious, but today, for example, I can walk around the house. I look a little bit like a toddler. I lurch from side to side. I can walk around the house without my cane. Back to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to give you eight tips to help you navigate your career into 2022 and beyond. Tip number one, have a think about micro-credentials. One of my clients last year faced a huge turning point in his life. He was part of a spill and fill where he had to apply for his own job, and as part of that, he was offered career support with us. When I met him, I was so impressed. He was very impressive, but I was also very worried. His industry was one for young people because there was a certain component of physical work that made it unlikely that anybody would keep working in that industry until retirement. It was also one of the most all-consuming industries you could ever imagine, where the expectation was you would drop everything for your client. It got even worse. It was an industry that was particularly badly hit by COVID cost cuts. And then to top it all off, it was a very fashionable industry. And so lots of people were attracted into it. And in Australia at the moment, apparently the universities are churning out 200 master's graduates in that field every year. And all these master's graduates, of course, young and keen, are applying for jobs in a very, very narrow field. Mark talked about the fact that he actually wanted to eventually move out of the industry. But because he was in such a busy, all-consuming area, he couldn't see how he could possibly manage any postgraduate study. Again, as part of our discussion, Mark revealed that he was very into data and into analytics. And so I threw out to him the possibility of artificial intelligence as a possible option to investigate. He actually said he'd already dabbled in some online learning in this space. So he was inherently fascinated by it and good at it. But what he'd never heard of was micro-credentials. And I find in this he's like almost everybody else I meet. So micro-credentials are short courses where you either pivot or you top up or you learn, but you don't have to go back and get a full degree. To give their sort of formal definition, they're part of a higher education trend towards what's called modularity. In other words, you do modules and stackability. So you might do one module and then you might choose to do another module and stack them on top of each other. They involve you combining small individual learning units into broader, more cohesive qualifications. So in that sense, they live somewhere in the space between single courses and full degrees. They're huge now. Last year, there were more than 1,500 micro-credentials. Most of them, about 75% are in business and technology. And the ones that have grown most in popularity are artificial intelligence, machine learning, cybersecurity, data science, digital marketing, and business analytics. And if you're interested, the classic micro-credential sites are Coursera.com, and Coursera is spelled C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A, and edX, and that's E-D, capital X. And you've also got some Australian universities now getting involved. Coming back to Mark, he did win his role, but he also decided to enroll and get started on his career move. Tip number two, meet new people. As part of Mark's career change, or his eventual career change, I suggested that he start expanding his network now so that when he was ready to make the move, he had some connections in that space. Now, many people, and you're probably one of them, find the whole networking concept so daunting, and they worry that they'll appear ruthlessly self-interested. So the easiest way is for you to start with your fellow workmates. Pick up the phone and ask somebody in a different department for a 20-minute meeting. If you do things like that, you increase your knowledge about other parts of the business and you may also pick up some allies who prove valuable to you in the future. Then extend this approach to people outside of the organisation. For example, if you're going to a training session or a conference, don't just stay chatting to the people you know. Make a point of connecting with strangers. It does initially feel quite awkward, but it also does get easier. Plan ahead and have some relevant topics of conversation to talk about. I think it's important that you offer something of value to the other person and have an opinion. So stay up to date with local and international current affairs. I read my local newspaper every day because I found that without doing that, people would talk about issues and I had no idea what they're talking about. So every day, I force myself to spend 15, 20 minutes catching up on what's happening in my city, my state. But at a minimum, if you're not going to do any of that, talk about the event that you're at itself. And the idea is to get the conversation flowing, and then you leave room for future meetups or discussions. Tip three, take a new broom to your job. Many people dread the new year return to work because they're bored. If that's you start by pulling out your job description. Go through each key responsibility and give it a rating for two things. Rate it for how important it is and rate it for your satisfaction or your enjoyment of that task. Then highlight each task that got a bad satisfaction score. So we're focusing on the satisfaction. It's possible that some of the less important jobs no longer need to be done. Now, of course, if you want to eliminate important and unpleasant tasks, that, of course, is a much harder ball game. Obviously, you'll need to get your boss on board, and your best way of doing that is to think through a persuasive business case and a pathway. If you've got too many items on what I'd call the dark side, so in other words, there's too many of your tasks that you really don't enjoy doing, it is time for you to take serious action. Plan your escape from the job to a different role, either internally or externally. Tip four, meet with your boss to clarify the aims for the year ahead. Set up a formal meeting with a clear agenda, but I suggest you go to a coffee shop because you want to give the meeting a little bit of warmth and informality. Think about which documents you need to refer to. It might be your strategic plan, it might be your position description, or it might be key department milestones that need to be met. If you do this, you get two benefits. The first benefit is it sends a really strong message to your boss that his or her needs are important to you. It means that you're going to be spending your energy and intellect in the year ahead on actions that meet her agenda and presumably those of the organisation. The other purpose it serves or the other benefit is if there has been any disconnect with you that's built up over the past little while, it can help you re-establish a professional relationship. Tip number five: Be brave. Or as the old saying was, gird your loins. I love that saying. A while ago, I was talking to Huey, one of my clients, and in the session, he said, look, I've got a really bad cold, and I just don't really feel like doing job search at the moment. Now, look, I wasn't surprised because I don't think I've met anybody who's told me that they actually want to hunt their job out from the hidden job market. And what we're talking about here is searching for those roles that are never advertised. What I was surprised about is Huey went on to comment that in the past, he generally hunted out his own jobs and he even went so far as doing the dreaded cold call. And I'd have to say it's the first time I have ever heard any Australian being willing to do a cold call. I think it's because Huey had a strong belief that he had value in the marketplace and that someone would recognize his ability and offer him a good job. So he wasn't afraid to take the lead to identify who these people might be and then approach them. He was interested in learning about the precise technique involved in job search networking, so we did go through all those details. Lo and behold, the next time I saw Huey, he reported back on a string of strategic, well-conducted job search networking meetings, and he ended up finding his job through a contact made at his previous workplace. And he was really happy because as well as the job being good, it was much closer to home, which was one of his aims. What Huey had was two things. He had both confidence and bravery, and that's an amazing and irresistible combination. Tip six, turn the table on employers. One of the most vexed, most horrible questions that all of us face when we're looking for another job is, What are my new employers actually like? Back in the days when I was an employee, I was always scared of leaving my current job, even though I'm generally regarded as a risk taker. I really hated the thought of the get to know you stage. Little things like, oh, how does that photocopy work? I can't get it to work. Or more worrying issues like, wow, that person just gave me the brush off. Was that me or is it him? Now, as part of my career work, I get to hear quite a lot about the various organisations in my city, Adelaide, but I find that very few of my clients have any insight at all into their prospective employer. Up until now, this information has been quite hard to access, and so they faced all the risks associated with jumping into the great unknown. Now, if you're savvy, you realise that you have more power in the job search equation There are excellent websites that give insight into the culture, compensation, the pay, and where you can learn about precise issues such as benefits and company policies. The most famous website is Glasshouse, and its name really says it all. If you're vetting a large organisation, you'll find feedback about it from current and former employees, so you're getting information right from the horse's mouth. For smaller Australian organisations, SEEK tends to work pretty well. If the organisation you're trying to vet isn't on any of those sites, then get onto LinkedIn. You should be able to find contacts at the organisation or find contacts who have contacts there, and if you make a few calls, I think you'll end up with an informed decision about that new job. Tip seven, understand that coding is the new orange or the new black, as we used to say. I think the jury is still out on how to protect yourself against AI as an employee. Even so-called experts are at a loss. But there is one compelling piece of advice. Learn coding. Programming is becoming a fundamental skill. And a hundred years ago, we might have asked, is it important for me to learn how to write? Experts are saying that most future jobs will have a coding component to it. So if you're under 40 years of age, learn coding. If you're over 50, cross your fingers and hope you make it through to retirement without needing it. Or if you're over 50 and you really want to sleep at night, learn coding. And if you're a parent, encourage your kids to enroll in a coding club straight away. When six-year-old kids are learning to code, you know it's time to jump on board. Tip eight, talk to your boss about options. I was in my last job for four years and I became bored religiously every 12 months. Did I put up with it? No. I think I'm the ultimate spoiled brat. I have zero tolerance for unpleasant work situations. So I used to go to my boss every year and tell him this. He was really good about it, and so every year we managed to revamp my activities to give me the challenge and variety I needed. So many people tell me that they really love their place of work, but that the work itself no longer stimulates them. But they just put up with it, and I think it means their mojo seeps out day after day until the whole world can see they're no longer happy, or else they leave. Most of the time, there's absolutely no need to do this. What I do with my clients is we sit down and we craft what the approach should be to the boss, and we take into account everything we can think of, such as what are the personalities, what are the politics of the organisation, and off they go to make change in their lives. If you're savvy, you'll do the same. Learning new stuff or doing new stuff is hard. I've been learning Italian seriously now for quite a while and sometimes I tear my hair out about their seemingly arbitrary grammar rules and my brain does not work well with learning vocabulary. Can't tell you how bad my vocabulary is. Why do I keep going with Italian? I keep going because the adventure to me of experimenting in another language is fascinating, I love it. So in common terms, the upside is worth the downside. When it comes to your career, it would be ideal if you relished keeping up with new trends. But whether you relish it or not, it has to be done. You need to do it. You need to take charge of your future so that you actually have a future. So I always say go and find a place where your thoughts are likely to roam freely, evocative music, great coffee, a lovely outlook, Sit down and list the top three changes that are happening in your life. What's happening in the world of work? So, for example, are there changes in the language and behaviour that are now the norm? Or the impact, as I mentioned earlier, of AI on job tasks? List the changes in your workplace. So perhaps is there a drive for cost reduction? Or is there an emphasis on innovation? And then finally, list the changes in your personal life. For example, are you about to enter a more expensive phase of your life because of children? Just last week, a very astute client of mine talked to me about significant changes in all of the areas, but she had a clear plan with concrete timelines. It can be done. Plot out the response that you need or wish to make to cope with these changes. Whatever you do, don't let your career changes fall by the wayside like so many of our New Year resolutions to get fit or lose weight. Choose the three most relevant items from the eight tips I've just given you. Find a support person to help you identify concrete actions with timelines and KPIs attached. Then, as per the Nike ad, just do it. This time, I think you're going to have to agree, my signature hashtag is so apt. Why not be happy at work? Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share it or leave a review. At this stage, I'm doing regular podcasts, and next episode, I'm going to revert back to our MBTI series, where I examine each of the 16 famous profiles one at a time. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, check out the full show notes at careerconsult.com.au and I do a mail-out once a fortnight of videos, blogs, or infographics. If you're interested, you'll find a sign-up form on the website or contact us at admin at careerconsult.com.au. Once again, I'm going to finish with the hashtag, as always, hashtag why not be happy at work.